Robin Trish McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Hello, this is episode four of Mystical Underground with Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And today we're going to continue on from episode three with some interesting turn of events that happened during the uh, recording with uh, the uh, psychic medium, Kathy Herman. And uh, what happened is that Kathy gave a little reading right during the interview to John Posey, our technician, and it turned out to be kind of interesting. So that should be uh, one thing we'll be looking at. And and we're also going to have a writer's corner. It's about spooky Edgar Allan Poe, and Rob's going to do that one because he wrote a book that actually featured Poe called uh, "Romancing the Raven." So he he found a lot, a lot about Poe during the research for that book, and that's we're glad you're here. So in our last episode, we interviewed Kathy Herman, a psychic medium who does her readings from the unusual little town of Casadega, Florida, where most of the 150 or so residents talk to the dead as their profession. Many of them are spiritualists, belong to the spiritualist church, and the town is called a spiritualist camp. So what do they believe? Spiritualists believe in the soul's immortality, the nearness of the spirit world, the guardianship of spirit friends, and the possibility of communicating with them. Kathy, however, is not a member of the Spiritualist Association, but one of a number of psychics and mediums who live outside, just outside the camp, and there have been long-time tension, I guess I would call it, probably be the right word, between those in the camp and those on the outside. But if you visit Casadega, everything is peaceful, and you won't notice any such uh, conflict. You wouldn't realize that it even exists at all. So this episode is the second part of our interview with Kathy. It's uh, going to begin with Kathy providing a short reading for John Posey, who is our podcast technician and responsible for putting it all together. We couldn't resist. Uh, we couldn't do our podcasts without John. Interestingly. He had never had a psychic reading and was a good sport to go along with our idea for Kathy to do a reading uh, for him, which uh, she graciously agreed to do. While much of the reading is about what's coming up for John this year, there was also spirit contact, and John was quite surprised, I think, by what came through. But before we get back to the interview and the reading... Uh, we want to mention that we are also friends with a medium who lives inside the camp. Her name is Hazel Burley, and we've known her for about 30 years. And she's been a res- resident medium in custody longer than anyone else in the camp. So I want to mention one reading that I had with uh, uh, Hazel that was really startling and for me was evidence of life after death. Uh, she was more than 30 minutes into a reading when she announced that there was someone coming through. And she said the person's name 
was J, and he was pointing to his head. And she paused, seemed confused, and said, well, there's two of them. Uh, both of them are J names and are pointing at their heads. Does this make any <laughs> sense? And I was stunned. Uh, yeah, it does. I replied, two people I knew, one a cousin named John and a writer friend named Jay, both died within the past year and both died of brain cancer. So that to me was uh, truly a startling you know, evidence of uh, life after death, survival of de- surviving death. So what are the chances that uh, she would be guessing at that? Uh, not very likely. No. <laughs> totally unlikely. <laughs> In preparing for reading, first of all, you want to have a reference. In other words, somebody who's been to a psychic or a medium and was pleased with what the person picked up, rather than just going in cold somewhere. That way but you get that, more for your money. That helps, but not everybody uh, you know, can uh, know somebody who That's ha- true. at reading. So you have to you know, look just around. Call us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it does definitely help to have a, have a reference. Um, and in preparing for a reading, it's pretty simple. Be sure you want a reading and be emotionally open to it. In other words, when you're sitting down with the psychic or the medium, you know, make sure your body is relaxed, that you, your arms aren't crossing your chest, uh, you know, giving the appearance of somebody who's closed off. Because if your arms are crossing your chest and you're stiff, then you probably are emotionally closed off. Um, and then think about what issues or concerns you'd like the psychic to touch on. Um, I usually make a list, not for the psychic, but for myself, of of things I'd like the person to to talk about. And I found that that helps because it helps focus your intention, too. And then just enjoy it. And don't um, start talking at the beginning a lot about yourself or anything. That That's uh, actually a good uh, psychic medium doesn't want that doesn't want all these clues. Like the skeptics will say, oh, they're just looking for clues, cues to, to give you a reading. Mo- the real ones don't want that because they, want, they don't want uh, to have their logical mind picking up things. Uh, they want their intuitive side to be picking up things. So really don't say anything and let them talk for, you know, I mean, be friendly, but uh, <laughs> don't, don't talk for maybe, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes or so. And then if there's something that you want to more know a little more about, then you might mention that. Uh, so that but way, if the psychic says, does this resonate for you, yeah. then answer yes or no, yeah. because that tells them on the right, right. Okay. the right intuitive path. Right. Kathy, you want to try a reading for John? So he can, he's never had sure. a reading before. Okay, John. <laughs> well, I didn't know that was okay. part two, but okay. All right. I don't have my arms hi, crossed. I don't, hi, hi Kathy. <laughs> I don't have my arms crossed. They're they're laying out on the desk. I'm, but I am gripping my Dungeons and Dragons dice very tightly. So, okay, you just want to maybe like clear your mind there for a minute. Okay, that's 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 a lot to ask, but I'm trying. <laughs> now, John, last last year around you. You had some, you had a little bit of ups and downs with you on relationship issues around you, but I feel as though this year around you, especially moving towards the end of spring, your heart's really going to come into play. And it's as though with your heart coming into play, you have a significant other coming up around you that you're going to be really bonding with. And it's as though that's going to be very, very positive for you. 
But it's as though instead of like putting all your effort into work, this is a year for you. By the end of the year, you have more balance in your life. So that's going to be very, very positive for you. Now, you also have a gentleman around you on spirit side. This gentleman around you on spirit side, he had darker hair. This gentleman, he was like a father figure to you, but I don't feel as though he is your father. But it's as though he's very, very drawn to you. And he's actually pushing you in a way because he can see some doors opening up for you because right now you're in a very logical place with a career. You're making some changes and doing some things. So he's kind of pushing you for you to get to where you need to be for you to take a chance to step out of your comfort zone because with that, then you're, as I said, your heart comes into play, but it's as though you're coming this year, you're coming into a very, very good time frame. You're doing more this year from probably March to September than what you've done probably in the last four years. So it's going to be a very, very good year for you. Very good year. You're going to be very happy with where you end up next fall. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Did you I'm take gonna, notes? I'm going to listen back to that. Yeah, and we will, we, I will respond to it because there are some interesting things there. So okay. thank you. Okay. Thank you. Now, Kathy, how now, you do you Go ahead. John, were you thinking about making a move as well by the end of this year? Because I see there's a possibility coming up, something around you the second part of the year with a piece of property. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, no. There, there's no, no, well, yeah, not. <laughs> boy, that depends on what you mean by piece of property. But, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not planning on buying property, put it that way. Oh well, were you con were you considering moving then, or? Sure. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay, I see something the second part of the year, so. Uh, that's when it would have to be. So. <laughs> that's when that's when the lease runs out. So. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. But it's going to be very positive for you, so you're going to be happy with it. Uh, the way they've escalated rent. I don't doubt that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now, Kathy, he's never had a reading before. And his first oh, he one never has. has? No, no, so you're his and, first. And his, and his first one is public. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I know that's the part that scares people. Is like you're you're putting all my stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, it's the least I can do. <laughs> yeah, <it's good> stuff. <laughs> now, Kathy, how how can you read him if you don't have an object? I mean, just through his voice. You can, yeah, you can pick up his energy. The, the gentleman has very, very high energy. So, hmm. okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, have you have you ever felt overwhelmed by something you've picked up? Um, yes, because in my in the years that I've been doing this, I've I've come across like a lot of like a lot of interesting readings where a lot of like crazy stuff was going on <laughs> in people's lives, like not the normal stuff. So, and I was a little overwhelmed because one, I remember this distinctly. This is way back, probably about 
30 years ago, a gentleman came in for a reading and he was actually a pretty prominent person in, in central Florida, but he, I didn't know who he was, but he, at the end of the reading, he told me that he was, he was contemplating suicide and that I had kind of, I had kind of like in a way talked him out of it and it ended up, I kept him there like another probably three hours speaking to him because I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to go, you know, do himself in or whatever. But then I think the following week I read about him in the newspaper. He had a lot, a lot of legal issues that weren't good, but I guess he, you know, he was getting an attorney and working it out. He didn't kill himself, but I could see why he wanted to because he had like a, like multi-million dollar criminal issues coming up around him. Hmm. What, um, what objects can't you read? I mean, I know metal is best, but is there something that you can't read? Well, I, well, and if I can, if I can, if I can interject real quick, I was holding metal, uh, metal dice when she did the reading. So, Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, metals the metals the best because it it um, moves energy the best. Mm-hmm. Now people try to give me personal clothing and stuff, and I prefer like not to read that. Yeah, that would yeah be weird. <laughs> well, I, we were telling John about the time that uh, we came to you with a vial of holy water that had belonged to a man who had been, who had had a UFO encounter and you, because of your RM background, you thought it was a vial of urine, <laughs> but you still read the thing and you really hit on some great points. And that was a vial. That was a glass vial. Yeah. He had this experience with this uh, UFO that, uh, and this blackout time where he didn't know what happened. And, uh, this craft came right into his backyard and we ended up writing uh, aliens in the backyard from his experience based on his experience and others. And uh, he, he, he became very frightened after that because he didn't believe in anything related to UFOs. And now suddenly his whole worldview was changed because he had no choice because he had seen it, he had experienced it. And, but he didn't know what happened because of this, he, he was there and this light came down and suddenly he was in, taking a shower and he didn't, <laughs> but he had seen the craft. He first saw these beams of light in the farmer's field behind his property. He lived in rural Montreal and he was watching these uh, lights coming down and these beams of light and this energy swirling around inside these uh, beautiful lights. And it was like the, this was pulling something up from the earth up into something up above, which he couldn't see. And he ran in and woke up his wife about and so, so they were both out there and, and saw it and their little dog was also out there and uh, then suddenly this craft comes in like a, a disc shaped uh, craft and it comes in vertical like a, a coin standing standing on standing on its side <clears throat> and it comes in behind this weeping willow tree and their house coming right towards them there was this beam of light that gold beam of light that covered their little dog he reached down for the dog and that's the last he remembered. Then he was taking a shower, and his wife was sound asleep in bed. And what's weird is about a year after this happened is when he started, well, right after this happened, he started carrying a vial of holy water. So after about a year, Rob said, well, why don't you send me the vial, and we'll 
see if Kathy and Casadega can, what she picks up from it. Maybe she can figure out. What did she pick up? Do you remember? Well, yeah, I do remember. Uh, do you remember that vial, Kathy? <laughs> I remember it, yes. Yeah. And one but of the I things. Think, go ahead. I think the S, I feel as though the estrus terrestrial was attracted to that piece of property, something there with that piece of property, because I believe it has come back since then. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, we haven't yes. heard from about that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I remember saying to you, asking you, well, what was what was the purpose of this, you know, terror, terrifying this guy? Remember you remember that? And, yeah. and you said, oh, it was fun. <laughs> it, was it was their entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> And that sort yes. of freaked, freaked him out that, that these <laughs> entities would have <laughs> used him for entertainment. <laughs> yes, because, you know, to them, they, are, they feel as though they're a more higher being, so they're looking down on us. Right, so yeah. kind of just entertainment, yes. That's kind of sad. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, well, we haven't been in touch with him, but Rob's going to have to ask him if he's if there's been another sighting in his backyard. Yes, because I feel as though it's very drawn to that property for some reason. Mm -hmm. You have to ask me if anybody passed away on that property, if there's anybody buried there or anything, or you know how it was years ago. Yeah, okay, that's interesting you mentioned that, because on the other side of the farmer's field is a little cemetery oh, wow. and he tied the cemetery in with this experience because he had gone over there with his somebody in his family who uh, I can't remember who it was there was some kind of conflict going on between two parts of the family and he he went over there anyhow to uh, some of his relatives were buried there and he was taking little uh, he put paper on, on a gravestone and oh, then, make an impression. Uh, yeah, make an impression with uh, gra- graphite uh, to pick up what was uh, what was on there. And and then this wind came up and he, I think he was with his father. I think and uh, he couldn't find his father for a while and uh, he was yelling for him. There was a mist or a fog. Yeah, or yeah, something very strange happened. And so it was right after that. Uh, within a week that this UFO experience uh, happened. And he always tied the two together. We really had a hard time seeing what the connection was, but he he seemed to think that there was some kind of connection with that cemetery. It's connected to the cemetery. They're drawn to that cemetery. You'll have to ask him again if if I'm sure that they've returned since then. Hmm. But they're drawn to that cemetery. What's interesting is one of the things that Whitley Strieber believes is that uh, ETs and the dead have a lot in common, you know. They do. Yeah, that's what that's what, you know. Both are outside of time and space, basically. At least our time. Yeah. And an interesting thing is, he wanted to. Uh, he he went to visit his neighbor that evening to see if they had seen anything because he knew they also got up very early because this happened at five in the morning, and uh, and they. They, but they lived uh, like a quarter of a mile away, so that, you know it wasn't like a suburban neighborhood. And he he went down there, and he rarely saw these people. And he he asked him what if they saw anything. And the uh, he was talking to the husband, and the wife was 
overheard him talking, and she also, uh, Jocelyn, you saw a UFO, didn't you? And so, and oddly enough, he denied it. He said, no, I, I saw something in the field. Uh, it may have been um, people on snowmobiles uh, with lights. Uh, and he said, he said, she said, no, you saw UFOs. And he said, why do you say that? She said, because I have a cousin who's, who we, we all think in the family, he's kind of crazy, but he's a, he's, a, he's a psychic and he comes up with things. And he called me two weeks ago and said, you're going to see a UFO in your backyard very soon. And I didn't see it, but you saw it. <laughs> so that was a interesting. That's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then after that, uh, it's like a synchronicity, a series of synchronicities. He started seeing those neighbors everywhere he went. Like he was in a shopping center like 17, 18 miles away from home. And there they were. And the, a restaurant, there they were. And he, and, uh, he, sa he said, uh, he, she, uh, the, the wife said, are you following us uh, Josh Lennon said, we never see you anywhere. And he said, no, I never see you either. But no. <laughs> so synchronicity. Yes. Yeah. Right, something, something the energy was pulling them together. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kathy, can can anybody learn how to do do psychometry? I mean, is it teachable? Um, I don't I think if you already have that I want to say a gift. If you already have that with within you, then you can kind of teach or guide somebody to to tune in better, or how mm -hmm. they can tune in through meditation and other things to maybe fine tune their gift. But you, a person that that has no, right. no, you know what I mean? No gift yeah, in no, it, yeah. they can't do it. Yeah, they yeah. I think it's one it. of the. I think it's one of the more difficult aspects of. Uh, uh, psychic abilities or uh, to uh, you know telepathy synchronicities or you know uh, seeing bits of the future that come true uh, I think a lot of people have those experiences but, uh, but picking up an, picking up an object and re getting a reading from it uh, I think is uh, is difficult now my brother he my brother when he was in his early 20s he was in a a terrible motorcycle crash and he actually was in a coma for six months. Mm -hmm. But when he came out of, when he came out of his coma, because, you know, our family with the readings and everything, he could pick up dates. He would pick up, wow. he would go, do you remember in, in October 6, 1974, when we were sitting at the table and it's like, we would just look at him like, what are you talking about? And he, what he said was true. And then he'd done that with my husband a couple times and my husband would research it. And he goes, that's just totally incredible. He goes through <laughs> everything. The date that he says is actually true. Mm -hmm. And then he'll pick up on, on um, spirit guides also, but it, it must've been something from his accident. It must've jarred <laughs> something, but I mean, he can really fine tune on some of these things. Did does he recall what happened during those six months he was unconscious? I mean, is there any conscious memory? He remembers seeing like family members from the other side. He saw my hmm. father. Oh, he oh. saw his his aunt who had passed away. He saw people on the other side. Hmm. Yeah. Was he given a choice to go back? I think he just chose to come back uh -huh. because. 
he had a wife and everything, so he wanted to come back. Hmm. Uh, any insight on this podcast uh, that we're just starting out on, uh, how this is going to go for us? I feel as though this is going to go very well for you, and I feel as though a gentleman's going to open up another door for you to expand upon this. So it's mm. going to it's going to be very because you you are very you're a very talented couple, and I feel as though this a major door is going to open up for you, and mm. John is going to go along for the ride as well. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Thanks. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, maybe that's a good spot to end it. Yeah, well, Kathy, we hope to see you soon. <laughs> yeah, and it's great talking. I hope so, yeah. too. Yeah, it's been great talking. It's always, it's always a pleasure talking to you, too. Right, and, you know, we talk to you and get readings and that, but we really... I didn't know anything know about your family your, or your history. Yeah, that's very interesting about your uh, background in Hungary. And, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's fascinating. The, Hungary was the land of the gypsies. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, Eastern Europe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, when I have a question. How did your mother, why did she buy that house? Did she live in it? The house across she the street? Actually, she actually, um, she, she bought the house and she bought it with my stepfather. They were together and what they wanted to do, because my stepfather was very, he was German. They were always drawn to like the psychic world and the mm. psychic spiritualistic world. So they actually bought it, but they had, they had other businesses and other things going on. So what they wanted to do is retire there. Mm. And there was, there was at the time they had about eight readers that rented it out or was working out of there. And then, so they were going to take the second floor and they wanted to do some traveling, but still be around the readers. So what they did is they were going to make an apartment on the second huh. floor, and the first floor was still going to be readers. But what happened is right in the middle of it, my stepfather passed away of a heart attack. Hmm. So then, and then he actually died in that house. Oh wow! Oh, oh interesting. He di- yes, is. he died in the house, and then my mother just didn't want to let it go because she missed my stepfather. And then my mother, I think about 20 years later, she passed away in the house in the hmm. same bed on the Jeez. same mattress on the same side of the bed. Jeez. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Have you, did you ever live in that house then? As a, as a, as a teenager for maybe, maybe a couple years, but then, mm-hmm. you know, my, my brother got married and then I went to school. And so, but I mm. always came back. It's like, it's always been home. It's always like, you know, uh-huh. going home there. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. So one of the things that the general public thinks of people who might be uh, mediums or psychics is that they're kind of uh, might be a little unhinged or might <laughs> not be ground well grounded. But Kathy, you as uh, one thing I do know about you that you've talked about a little bit about us is that you do very well in a real estate investment, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I've always been, I've always been, because my mother always taught us, you know, you work hard. And she actually started me out when I was probably 18 years old by buying a rental house with her. And we bought a rental house together. And then I kind of did some painting and, you know, what I could there. And then we did kind of like a flipping. We sold it and then we got another one. 
This mm-hmm. is way back in 1979 or something before flipping ever became flipping. Right, but yeah. my, you know, because my mother, she was a single person at that time, and you know, she, you know, you have your own family to support or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but then from there, it just went from one thing to to another. So I always had a full time job because I became a nurse. And then I always did, I always, um, peddled in real estate on the side. And to this day, I still do buy and sell, buy and sell. So, Mm -hmm. and you're, and how many days a week do you work at Costa Dega for your readings? Now I'm there, um, seven days a week. Seven days. Wow. You don't close on Mondays anymore. No, we're there like seven days a week because you know what happened is through the years, we have a bigger, we don't advertise. Nobody in Casadega advertise. People just come. And it's like now it's just more and more people. And then people call and they say, well, the only day they can come is Tuesday. The only day they can come is Wednesday. The only day they can come is Friday. So it ends up we're there just about seven days a week. But now we've kind of like, shaved it down a little where we say we're only there from 1130 to six o'clock, you know, Mm -hmm. so that we can do our own personal thing in the mornings or take care of our own stuff in the mornings. So how can people reach you? Come to Casa Data. But but do you want to give your telephone number or how uh, uh, email address or anything that that they can Um, uh, contact? Sure. Our our phone number in Casa Data is um, 386-228-0389. And as okay. I said, from like about 1130 to 6 o'clock, you, you can reach us there. Great. Okay. So in this writer's corner, I want to add to what Trish said in our last episode about creativity and precognition in the last uh, writer's corner. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a sea adventure novel called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, P-Y-M. Although he never finished that novel, he seems to have tapped into the future. The tale includes a scenario about three men and a 16-year-old boy who are drifting at sea in a lifeboat after being shipwrecked. Desperate on the brink of starvation, they decide to draw lots to determine which of them will be killed and eaten. The cabin boy, whose name was Richard Parker, picks the dreaded short straw and is promptly stabbed and consumed. So move ahead now, 47 years to July 25th, 1884, it's 27 years years after Poe stopped working on that novel, a 17-year-old boy cabin, uh, a 17-year-old cabin boy named Richard Parker was killed and eaten in a similar incident. So young Richard Parker was on his first voyage on the high seas boarding the Mignonette in Southampton, England, bound for Australia. But when the ship reached the South Atlantic, it was pummeled by a hurricane and sank. The survivors who had boarded a lifeboat had few provisions and after 19 days became desperate. The men discussed drawing lots to choose a victim, just as Poe had written about, but uh, instead settled on Parker, who had become delirious from drinking seawater. 
So the remaining crew, uh, crew survived on Richard's carcass for another 35 days until they were rescued by the SS Montezuma, uh, aptly named after the cannibal king of the Aztecs, which is kind of a synchronicity right there. So the eerie connection between fiction and real life was revealed on May 4th, 1974, when 12-year-old Nigel Parker, who was related to Richard Parker, submitted the story to the Sunday Times of London, which was conducting a contest to find the best coincidence. The Richard Parker story not only won, but was called one of the best coincidences ever recorded by Arthur uh, Kosler, who had sponsored the contest. So, So that website included many additional synchronicities. And here's a sampling. For instance, Nigel's father, Keith, thought that the Richard Parker story would make an interesting theme for a radio play and began to write a synopsis. At the time, uh, to, supplement, uh, to supplement his income as a writer, he reviewed books for Macmillan Publishing. The first book to arrive after he began to work on the play was called The Sinking of the Minanette, that very same ship that uh, Richard Parker went down on. So a few weeks later, he was asked to review a collection of short plays called The Raft. It was, co- it was a comedy for children with nothing sinister about it, except for the cover illustration, which showed three men on a raft who seemed to be threatening a young boy. The illustration seemed out of keeping with the tone of the stories, but even more bizarre, the raft was written by someone named Richard Parker. <laughs> so in the summer of 1993, Hamilton Parker explained on the website that his parents took in three Spanish language students. One evening over supper, the elder Hamilton Parker told the students about Richard Parker. The television was on in the background and conversation at the table stopped when the moderator of a local program began talking about the same story. Dad broke the silence. Hamilton Parker recalled mentioning his father by saying how weird by saying how weird coincidences always occur whenever Richard's tale is mentioned. So he then told the students about the post story. Hamilton Parker recalls that one of the girls cried out, look what I bought today. She reaches into her bag and pulls out a copy of a Poe book containing the narrative of Arthur Golden Pym. I bought that book, too said another girl, another one of the girls, both had gone shopping that day and independently bought the same book. The website includes other stories as well, including a section of letters. Now, when I looked over the stories, I was surprised to find one that I had actually written because I had sent uh, Hamilton Parker uh, an email in 2005. This was uh, few years later. And uh, in it, I told him that I'd solved the Richard Parker enigma in a novel called Romancing the Raven, in which uh, Poe temporarily time travels to the future where he, where he heard the story about the real Richard Parker. And that's how I, I solved it. So Richard Parker was also the name of the tiger in the novel The Life of Pi, by Jan Martel. Martel knew about this incredible synchronicity involving that name, so it is more like a salute uh, than another synchronicity. 
Finally, here's something that Poe wrote that has always made me wonder about his ability to see, uh, to foresee events. It's called In Shadow, a Parable, and in it, Poe addresses readers of the distant future and seems to tell us that his stories contain some fascinating psychic connections. Here's what he wrote. Ye who read are still among the living, but I who write shall have long since gone by way, my way into the regions of shadows. For indeed, strange things shall happen, and many secrets things be known, and many centuries shall pass away, ere these memorials be seen of men. And when seen, there will be some to disbelieve and some to doubt, and yet a few who will find much to ponder upon in the character here graven with a stylus of iron. Pretty cool. Edgar coming through. And that's the end of our Writer's Corner. Writer's Corner. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast and leave comments at themysticalundergroundpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow the podcast on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. John, do you have any questions for Kathy? I, I don't. I'm still trying to sort out the reading. And, uh, 